Good morning, fellas. Glad to have you here this morning. Hate to break up your your parties there, but um, we got to get going here this morning. Um, Super thankful, as always, to have everybody here, and especially want to acknowledge uh, that we have uh, the senior boys basketball team here. So you guys just give me a little wave there, uh, or short wave, whatever. And you know what? Tonight's homecoming tonight for them, so they have a big game tonight. So I'm super grateful they were able to get here and get here early to support their coach, which we know is important. you don't know about a lot of you guys, but for myself, this was um, this last month, the month of fasting, was a tough month, really tough month. Uh, saying no to your flesh is not the easiest thing in the world for really any of us, especially when it comes to food, because I can do with a lot of things, but my specific things that I like to eat, when those things go away, that's not, not fun at all. Um, but you know, one of the interesting things I learned, and um, especially if you were here Wednesday night at church, if you did, weren't here for uh, Denny Duran, I highly suggest that you download that message and go, go watch it. Because it was incredible talking about it exceedingly abundantly above. And so when we come off of a month of fasting and a time that we've really dedicated our time and our hearts and something that meant a lot to us, to the Lord, it's interesting how much he gives back exceedingly abundantly above. And so that message was a really, really good one. One thing that I kind of laughed about was someone had written in and talked about how they gave up something and how they noticed that when they gave it up, they didn't really need it back. And so for me, uh, in my business, for some of you guys know that I own an advertising agency, so one of our big roles is social media, that we, we do a lot with that. And so for me, I decided I need to give up social media for the month, because you guys know it's on your phone all the time. Wherever you are, you know, you're there with your kids at dinner, your phone dings, it's Facebook saying, hey, somebody, somebody just did something, you know, somebody just won an award, or somebody went on vacation, or whatever, and you see people, and you kind of look at them, and you say, I don't really remember all that people do, and you see someone say, you, you were in surgery, or your child had an award, or you broke your leg, like whatever it was, you know, you kind of, you don't really make the association always, and I just realized it's really not that important, you know, so a whole month going without Facebook, and Twitter, and Instagram, and I just took the apps completely off my phone, just completely off, and it's like, it, it revolutionized my life, so Instead of it just attacking me all the time, I had the ability on my computer or whatever to go to that when I wanted to go to it. So I encourage you, if that's a part of your life that just is kind of annoying, which with me it kind of was, because it wasn't really stuff that was important to my life. It wasn't anything as important to my goals for the day, goals for the month, goals for my life. It just wasn't that important. Take a look at some of those things, even post-fast, to say, is it really important that I add that back into my life? For me, it was sugar. Um, another thing that I did just was sugar for the full month, which was really hard because I love a good chocolate chip cookie, and uh, just laid them down for the month, which didn't turn out to be that bad. And so consider that for this next month, wherever you are, that maybe what we laid down in, in January is maybe something God's calling us to lay down all year long, so something to consider. Um, as you know, um, we're in the middle of small groups, and uh, although those did launch, there's still opportunity for you to get in one if you're not in one. I don't want anybody to raise hands here today about that, but I did ask Mark Delaney to come today just to talk just for a couple minutes about where we are, just so in case you were kind of wondering if you could still get in how that works, but just um, welcome Mark Delaney. For Good morning, guys. I would encourage you to stop eating because we're about to be coached this morning. And every coach, they can't do anything without, first of all, saying, all right, let's run some laps, boys. We might have to do that. How many of you had a coach before in your life? Anybody? Did you love him? Sometimes, <laughs> every now and then. I was talking to everybody last night, and when you have a coach in your life, it's an awesome thing. It really doesn't matter if you're a great player or the last guy on the bench. Anyone who can say, I have a coach, is really blessed. Because your life is so important that there's someone else who is looking after you. They're looking after you to pat you on the back, looking after you to kick you in the butt. 
in any kid that has a coach. It's important because their life is important. They're going somewhere. They got important things to do. Talking to a friend last night, he said, you know what? He said, you're right. And he said, we all need a coach our whole life. And it's true. If we have someone in our life who acts like a coach, which to me is the essence of male relationships, is someone that's always there, close enough to pat you on the back or kick you in the butt. And I tell you, I didn't have a coach in my life until I got into a small group. And I don't call these men coaches, but I have men in my life I know if I'm dealing with something, I got someone to talk to. But it just did not occur. It's something I did not have until I got into small groups. And now I probably have four or five men I know. I don't see them a lot. We don't talk all the time. But if I need something, I've got a coach. And so I encourage any of you guys, if you're not in a small group, your life is important. You got places to go. You got things to do. God's not done with you yet. And chances are what God wants to do in you, he's going to do through, a, through someone who's close enough to you to point you in a direction and pat you on the back. So if you're not in a small group, find one. After this deal this morning, small group leaders who are here will be up here. Any small group leaders here today? Oh, yeah, a bunch of you guys. Just stand up here on the stage, and if you're not in a group, come and talk to us. We'll help point you into one that will fit you. Morning, guys. Enjoy it. Thank you. Super excited today. Chad Wilkerson, Coach Chad Wilkerson. You know, Chad and I um, haven't known each other for that long, but some people just have a way of making great first impressions, and Chad is definitely one of those. Um, but for the time I have known him, I've had a great sense of someone who not only knows his calling, but knows where the call came from. <clears throat> Chad leads our basketball program here at Lincoln, and we share the same alma mater at Oral Roberts, where Chad holds a BA in theology. As a college and professional basketball player, he is coached by, uh, by several. Among some of those were Bill Self and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's pretty awesome. I hope we hear a few stories from that today. Uh, he's founded several nonprofits, including Book and Ball, a charity that provides balls and Bibles to orphans. He's been married to his wife, Michelle, for 10 years, and they have two young children. We're re- super grateful to have uh, Coach Chad here today, and we warmly welcome him this morning. Thank you, Johnny. Um, real quick, kind of a, a, a synopsis of how I got here today. 28 year, I'm 40 years old this year, and 28 years ago, I have, I have wonderful parents, and my parents were the kind of parents, maybe you had some similar, uh, we went to church. We went to church a lot, and before there were conferences, they called them seminars and conventions, and even when there wasn't church, if there was a convention in Dallas, there was a good chance we were going to go, and 28 years ago, my parents went to a convention at the Fort Worth Convention Center, and my little brother and I, my brother's two years younger than me, uh, they took us along. But this was a cool convention because they had a, a place for the kids. And so we, uh, we went to uh, the kids' group, and oh, my goodness, this isn't just a kids' program. I saw this guy on TV. This is Gospel Bill and Nicodemus, and this is unbelievable. And so Pastor George gets up there like only he can do, and he points you towards Jesus. And he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And 28 years ago, I walk up front and accept and receive the Holy Spirit from a guy named Gospel Bill. Ten years down the road, ten years fast forward, 
I'm at Oral Roberts University, and I, I meet a couple really cool guys, Gabe and Whit George, and they love basketball. I love basketball. And they say, hey, man, come play with us on Sunday afternoons. And so we start coming on Sunday afternoons up here to church on the move and uh, playing basketball. And on one particular Sunday, Pastor George came out there to hoop. And he's very, very physical. Uh, he's strong. And he, uh, he was punking us a little bit. But in between one of the games, I went up to him and I said, Pastor George, I just want to tell you real quick a story. Ten years ago, my little brother and I received the Holy Spirit because of your ministry and because of the way you point people to Jesus. Fast forward 18 years. In this last April, May, uh, I was contacted by Witt and a couple people here, and they said, hey, man, why don't you look at Lincoln? And I had thought about Lincoln years ago. I talked to James Cruz, a close friend of mine, about the school and uh, coaching here, and I thought, man, that would be a great place to coach. And this last spring, Pastor George, again, making an impact in my life, uh, offered me what I consider a dream job for my family. In the last few months being here at Church on the Move, I can tell you that I have an unbelievable spirit of gratefulness for Pastor George, for Witt, for their leadership team, uh, for the emphasis on knowing God and growing and discovering who you are and then going out. And they've made an impact on my life even in the last few months. This school, this church has. I have the un incredible opportunity. I'm so grateful to work for Coach Birch as my principal, Darren Melton as my athletic director, working under them and uh, their leadership has been fantastic. I'm so grateful for that. I'm also grateful for the young men that decided to show up this morning so early. I know that's a sacrifice. Uh, it warms my heart. It makes me feel good. Uh, honor and respect to my players. Uh, maybe you'll get a little more playing time. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Still got to make threes. Uh, but I want to share. I, I want to share a thought to you. I, I was liberated. Uh, when Johnny asked me to do this, uh, he, uh, he texted me and said, hey, man, would you consider doing a men's breakfast? I was like, sure. Yeah, I'll do it. And then I came last month, and I was re immediately regretting it because I was like, this is awesome. This is incredible. Uh, Pastor Anderson just was phenomenal last week. It encouraged me and challenged me in a way. And today, uh, I was going, man, I don't know what to do. I'm not a preacher. And just recently, I asked a preacher, a, semi, a, a, a rather well-known preacher, to come speak to our basketball team. And he said, Chad, I'm not, I'm not a motivator. And I was like, that's okay. He said, I'm not a motivator. I don't know what I'm going to say to your team. And I said, man, just do what you do. And I was thinking about coming today, and I was like, man, i got to look up some scripture verses and three cool points and, a, and maybe some slides and stuff. And I'm like, I'm not good at that. And so I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, do what you do. And hopefully today I can encourage you guys. Uh, as a coach, uh, that's one of our, our um, the best tools in our tool belt is encouragement. And what I want to talk to you today is about success. And this is something I've kind of struggled with throughout my life uh, with the totality of what is success. Uh, I want to be successful. Men, I, I, the men we have in this room, just the the... The, the drive to be here on a, a men's breakfast. I know you want to be successful. It's something that we want to attain to, something that we strive for. I grew up listening to the Zig Ziglers and the John Maxwells and uh, these guys, phenomenal stuff about success. But I've wrestled with the question, what is success? And the question I have for you today is, what is success for a Christ follower? Is it different? Is, it, is, it, is, there, is there maybe something, a, a different thought, a different angle than maybe what success is for the world? And I think there is. 
And I was fortunate enough to have three men in my life that live these principles out. And I want to share a little bit about their story and what they've taught me uh, in the area of success. Webster's Dictionary defines success as this, favorable and desired outcome. And this is where I want to focus. The attainment, the attainment of wealth, favor, and eminence. The attainment of wealth, favor, and eminence. And if I thought what the world would describe that as wealth, money, who's getting rich? They're successful. Uh, Favor, fame, well-known. Who knows me? Am Am I recognized? Am I recognized in my community? Am I recognized in my workplace? Am I, rec- am I famous? I think the world would say, oh, if you are, you're successful. And the last one, eminence, power. We all crave power, people. Can I get to a powerful position? But I think as Christ followers, there's a greater than. There's a greater than those three things. And I want to I share a little bit about what I've learned f- from some great men of God in my life. The first one, money. What's greater for a Christ follower in a, in a, in a, a journey for success? And I think generosity is greater than money. And the person who embodied that for me was my grandfather. My grandfather is a, uh, uh, he's 89 years old. He's in assisted living right now in Dallas. And um, my grandmother and him, they still have morning devotions every morning. And I remember when I was probably about 26 years old, they told me they could count on their hands the mornings they didn't have their chair time, their morning devotion together. And they pray for me and my family every day. And this man dedicated uh, 63 years of his career to ministry. And he's not real wealthy. And he's not famous. No one knows who he is, really. None of you would recognize his name. Um, And he's not very powerful. But he lived a life of extreme generosity, so much so that when my grandmother and him heard about Oral Roberts and seed faith giving, they started taking a little bit more than the tithe, and they started giving. And I remember when he was nearing retirement, which he hardly did. He, he worked until he was about 84 years old. He said, Chad, I didn't, I didn't invest a lot in the stock market or things like that. I invested in the kingdom of God. And he goes, and I don't regret it. And when I was... On a family vacation, we were in Florida, and my grandfather, he has three children. They have three spouses, and he has eight grandchildren. All of us were in this house together. And uh, each night, they designated each family would do devotions for that night. And the night my grandfather did it, I remember sitting back there as a young man, and I looked at him. He was in the corner of the room. And there are his three children, their husbands, their wives, their children, I looked around the room and I said, oh my goodness. Maybe this is the greater than. Maybe this is success. Here's a man that's not famous, not wealthy, not powerful, but his children and his grandchildren say, Jesus is my Lord. And I thought about how many men with wealth or power, esteem, recognition would trade what they have for what I would call true success. So I think generosity is greater than money. The second one, the world tells us, recognition, being known.
I've wrestled with this. I've always, like many of you probably, man, I, I want people to recognize me. I want people to, to know me. But I think there's something greater than that. And that's the, I think it's basically what Church on the Move, Pastor George has committed his life to, and that is to making him known. And giving glory to God. I think that's greater than. And the person who embodied this for me was my father-in-law. Let me describe my father-in-law real quick. I, I moved to North Carolina to marry this beautiful country girl, Michelle Davis. And she has this father. He's a pastor. And uh, he also ran a sawmill. So imagine Billy Graham, 100% Billy Graham, and 100% lumberjack. Six foot four, 250 pounds, knowledge like C.S. Lewis, work ethic like no one I've seen before. Uh, I'm very intimidated by the man, to be honest. Even to this day, I've been married 11 years. I'm very intimidated. He's the kind of guy, I don't know if you've ever been around a person like this. They ask open-ended questions where when they ask the question, you're going, what does he want me to say? I hope I say the right thing because I know he's smarter than me. I know he's more spiritual than me, and I know that I better get this right because I married his daughter, uh, but he's an incredible man, and even though I've been intimidated, I've been so, uh, I admire him in such, such a way for a couple reasons. Number one, this man, and I, he reminds me of Pastor George, a few times I've been around Pastor George, he has this same ability. No matter what conversation, we'll be at the beach or we'll be at his house, we'll be on vacation, whatever. No matter what conversation I have with Pastor Mike, and that's my father-in-law, Pastor Mike, Lumberjack, Billy Graham, no matter what, we'll be talking about volleyball, we'll be talking about politics, every conversation gets back to the Word of God, about faith. Belief, Chad, if you only have the right belief, it'll steer your faith. Every conversation, we laugh about it at uh, in, inside of our family, everything he does, he's pointing people to Jesus. Right now, he's the manager of a, uh, a heavy machinery uh, group that does uh, all the heavy machinery at a rock quarry. I have no idea what they're doing, but it's he does. And he manages all these guys. And to be honest, there's a few of these guys, it's, it's a rough crew. And he's probably at breakfast somewhere in, at Whataburger right now with some guy helping him, talking to him, and pointing him to Jesus. And this afternoon, there'll be one of his workers who, it's Friday, and he's ran out of money, and he's going to ask Pastor Mike, hey, Pastor Mike, I'm really, and Pastor Mike's going to reach into his wallet like he always does, and he's going to bless him, and he's going to point him to Jesus. Nobody knows outside of that little circle, that little rural area of where he pastors and where he lives, nobody knows Pastor Mike. He's not famous. He's not real wealthy. He didn't have a lot of power, but when I look at my father-in-law, I see success because he's pointing people to Jesus. The third one, that's right, and the third one, power, people who want power. And what is greater than, for a Christ follower, what would be in, in in a journey of success, looking for success in our life, what would be greater than power? And to me, that's empowerment encouragement, affirmation, pouring into others. And I think that's what our go teams are. No, 
grow, discover, go. When you learn your gifts, we each have one. And you learn to go. Basically, I believe the kingdom of God is about giving to others, building others up, pouring into their lives, whether it's through a missions trip, whether it's next move. Uh, it's empowering. And the person who taught this to me was uh, my father. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, it's a uh, Jim Valvano uh, quote. My father gave me the greatest gift anyone could give another person. He believed in me. And my father did that for my brother and I. We did life together. My dad was my coach. And uh, my dad was not only uh, the kind of guy that empowered his own sons, he empowered, empowered other uh, guys' sons. And I can remember my brother and I, we left, uh, we left for college. My brother was two years younger than me. We were both at Old Roberts University. And I get a call from my mom, and uh, she said, hey, we got two sons living at the house. I said, what? Yeah, uh, two of your dad's players, uh, their moms, both their moms got on hard times. Uh, they, they got foreclosed on their house, and they're going to have to move 45 minutes away from the school, and they're going to have to come live with us, uh, or they're not going to be able to stay in school. And so two young men, 18 and 17, move into uh, my old room. And uh, for a year, my dad doesn't only coach them, but he's a father figure to them. And I tell my dad all the time, I said, Dad, you know, when I think about your success as a coach, he won many state championships. Uh, he coached at the high school and collegiate level very successfully. Had a lot of great teams. I don't think about the state championships. I don't think about the wins. I think about Darius and Lamar. Because when Darius and Lamar moved into my parents' house, it's the first time they ever had a father. And they stopped calling my dad, Coach Wilkerson, and they started calling him, Coach Dad. Hey, Coach Dad. And so, my dad doesn't have a lot of power. But I think he's successful. I think he's attained, I think, a greater than. In March of 2006, I'd been married for three months. Moved to North Carolina. I had just finished my basketball playing career. Decided to lay it down at age 29. And um, lived in a little apartment in Greensboro, North Carolina with my beautiful wife. And we'd been married three months. I'd already gained about 15 pounds. It was wonderful. And uh, I was living the good life. And uh, I get a call. And it's a, a sports agent out of Dallas. And he said, hey, Chad, I need a... Uh, I need, a, I need a basketball player for this game in the Philippines. It's uh, one game. Uh, you got to come for like seven or eight days because we got to do some promotional things. And we'll pay you uh, 2000 bucks to play in the game. And I was like, what is this? 2000 bucks to play in one game? What, what, what is this? And they said, well, it's called the NBA Legends Tour. Well, I never made the NBA. I wasn't a legend. And I said, what's going on? He goes, well, we have, we have six NBA legends that were taken over to play the Filipino national team. And we need a few filler-in guys, and you want, we want you to be one of them. And so they actually had two or three guys from the University of Arkansas who were professional basketball players, still playing professional. And then my buddy and I, who play, he played at TCU. The five of us joined these six NBA legends. 
and they were Otis Birdsong and Sidney Moncrief, Calvin Murphy, Alex English, Daryl Dawkins, but the headliner was Dennis Rodman. And so I go to my wife of three months, and I say, hey, babe, I'm going to go to the Manila Philippines and play basketball with Dennis Rodman. And she goes, no, you're not. And I said, they're going to pay me $2,000. She goes, okay, you can go. And uh, she said, but promise me you won't go out with Dennis Rodman. I said, babe, I promise you, your dad's been preaching so good the last few weeks. I'm not going to go out with Dennis Rodman. So we fly, I fly over to, to Manila, and uh, we get to the first, I, and I never experienced this kind of level stuff, but in the Philippines, soccer is not the number one sport. In the Philippines, basketball is the number one sport. One of the only countries in the world. They are crazy about basketball. So I don't know what I'm getting into, but everywhere we went, we had police escorts. Uh, every, everywhere we went, we had incredible crowds. And one of the first promotional events we went to was a, uh, it was a, a media thing. And we had a big table in the front, and we all sat down. And Alex English, who he gave a little bio, hey, I, I led the 1980s in scoring, and I was da-da-da-da. And then Daryl Dawkins, who was Chocolate Thunder, the guy who did all the dunks and broke all the backboards, he tells this great story. Then they go down. Each one of us has a mic. And then they go to Dennis Rodman. I was a seven-time rebounding champion. Sidney uh, Moncrief, two-time uh, NBA defensive player of the year. I get the mic. I'm a freshman basketball coach in North Carolina. And so I was out of place. But Dennis Rodman was electric. Everywhere we went, people wanted to see Dennis, and it was crowds and mobs. And so I started to get to know Dennis a little bit. But I remember at the first media conference, some guy asked a question, and I'm like, what in the world? So this guy asked a question. We're, we're getting mostly basketball questions, and he goes, hey, Dennis, uh, are you aware that your father lives here in the Philippines, and are you going to talk to him? And Dennis goes, I am aware that he lives in the Philippines. He said, about 10 years ago, I was in the Seattle airport, and this guy runs up to me and goes, I'm your brother. And this guy was half African-American, half Filipino, and looked just like me, is what Dennis is saying. And he goes, he must be my brother. And he tells me, he goes, man, your dad lives in, in the Philippines. And he's my dad too. And so Dennis gives him a little hug and exchanges numbers. And so this reporter asks this question. He goes, so I am aware that my dad lives here. He said, but my dad left when I was two, and I don't know my dad. And he said, so if he comes up to me like any of you that come up to me, Dennis is actually a really awesome, nice guy. He said, I'll shake his hand and greet him and say, what's up? And so the question passed. Uh, a few days later, somebody else brought it up, and Dennis kind of acknowledged it. Well, the game comes, and we're playing the Filipino national team in front of 14,000 people. And uh, we were doing pregame warm-ups, and Dennis is a really bad shooter, so he doesn't even practice shooting before the game. All he does is stretch. So he's over there doing his stretching routine, and Dennis has, he has a bodyguard and a handler with him on the trip. We're all shooting and stuff. It's about 45 minutes before the game. And you can see in the arena over here to the right, in comes, and you know it's Dennis's dad, because we, we were told it might happen. Here comes Dennis's dad in a white suit with a cane. And the cane was not for walking purposes. It was for style purposes. And he had four or five TV cameras with him. And he's filming a, a, a reality show. And he wants to meet his son for the first time in 40 years on the reality show. So he comes over to our bench. Our, the bodyguard for Dennis Rodman shuffles him away. And we play the game. We actually lose the game. 
It was very uh, embarrassing. But uh, we lose. They were great players. And so after we shake hands, I'm like, I want to see what happens. So Dennis is right in front of me. He shakes everyone's hands. And there's his dad right next to our, uh, our hallway where we're going to our locker room. He's there with the TV crews, the white suit, the cane, ready to get Dennis on the air, get him a little reality show. And so I'm right behind Dennis. And as soon as Dennis shakes the coach's hand and says, you know, great job and everything, he just starts jogging. And I jog right behind him. I said, I'm going to see what's happening here. And so I'm jogging right behind Dennis Robin. And there's his dad right there. And as he's jogging past his dad, his bodyguard steps through and just forearm shivers Dennis's dad almost to the ground. He stumbles back, and Dennis doesn't even look. And he just walks right by. Goes in the locker room. I walk in the locker room. We're the only two in there. I say, Dennis, you all right? He said, I'm good. He said, Chad, I want to talk to my dad. I want to have a relationship with my dad. But I'm not going to do it on a reality TV show. I said, I understand. And uh, the tour was over that night. We were flying out the next day, and Dennis said, hey, Chad, I got a book for you. I'm going to sign it for you. I brought it today um, to Chad, Dennis Rodman. Uh, let me highly recommend that you don't read this book. The, t- the title of it is, I Should Be Dead By Now. And uh, he signed it for me. I get in the airplane to go home, and I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to start reading it. So I start reading it. It's full of gratuitous, gratuitous stories that you shouldn't read. And, but one thing stuck out to me as I'm reading this book. Here's a man who's attained wealth. Here's a man who's attained fame and to a certain level power. And I'm reading his book, and I, I read this line in there. He goes, I just wish my mom or dad would have told me they loved me. I just wish my mom or dad would have told me my mom and dad never told me they loved me. He needed affirmation. He needed someone to to love him. He needed someone to empower him. He's obviously lived a life of struggle and pain And there's people in your life, it might be a coworker, it might be your wife, it might be your children, they just need to hear from you. They need your empowerment. Jim Carrey, the famous actor, said this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Wait a second, it's not the answer? What is? It's in the Bible. It's the greater than. It's the living a life of generosity. It's a living a life of not bringing recognition to yourself or or, or pointing things to yourself, but pointing things to the glory of God and to Jesus. It's not trying to gain power. It's empowering others. And I'm so fortunate to be a a coach. And I get to, to walk this out. Uh, pretty pretty much daily with these young men. And there's something that we do, and I'm going to ask you to do it today as I close. We do a thing called affirmations. And uh, these affirmations are just something that we like to say before the game. We turn the lights off. We get into a, a quiet state of mind. And the guys repeat these after me, and then I, I pray. 
and they've enjoyed them. I've enjoyed them. And I'm going to ask you today to try to just kind of get in a quiet state of mind. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to say these, and I want you to repeat them after me. I want to affirm you today, and then I'm going to pray. Repeat after me. I am a son of God. I am a believer. I am courageous. I am mentally tough. I am physically tough. I am spiritually tough. I am a warrior. I am prepared. I am confident. We are sons of God. We are believers. We are courageous. We are mentally tough. We are spiritually tough. We are physically tough. We are warriors. We are prepared. We are confident. We believe. Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for all the blessings that you've given us as American men. Lord, we thank you so much for our church and the emphasis on discovering our gifts and talents and the opportunities to go out and bless others, Lord. Help us as we chase success that we chase true success, Lord. Help us to chase a spirit of generosity. Empower us through your Holy Spirit to help us to be generous men. Help us to point people to the kingdom. Point people to Jesus. Lord, help us to seek you, not ourselves. And Lord, help us to empower others. Holy Spirit, show us the person, the people, the family members that you want us to affirm, that you want us to lift up, that you want us to empower for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. So very good. So, so very good. You know, I've, I've, everyone has a story. We all have stories, and I think that's one of the powers of, of small groups is that you get to not only share your story, but you get to hear stories of others. And um, I knew that, that Chad had a story, um, and it's so good to hear it, and we're so grateful you're able to share it with us today. <clears throat> Next month, I'm super excited uh, to have uh, Sam Ferris with us. Some of you may know Sam Ferris's uh, cool, clear white glasses he wears around, uh, which so describes him in this cool illustration that he sent me. I said, Chad, I said uh, Sam, send me a photo, and this is what he sent me. So uh, maybe we'll have an animation talk next month. But Sam received his engineering degree from Oklahoma State. While there, he launched his career being a serial problem solver and team transformation artist. I have no idea what that means. Uh, through roles at a boutique consulting firm in Stillwater, Walmart in Bentonville, Nike in Portland, Quick Trip in Tulsa, and currently Nordam, helping launch and lead a new subsidiary called Part Pilot, which is a revolutionary uh, online training, a trading marketplace for buying and selling aircraft parts. He's done quite a bit of stuff, so he's definitely someone we'll want to hear from next month. Sam will be sharing from his longest title ever for, for a message called, and this is very Sam, uh, Confessions of a Former Lone Wolf, Three Conversations on the Power of Team that Changed the Trajectory of My Fulfillment and Success. So try to repeat that back to me later, if you don't mind that. Uh, so anyway, looking forward to that next month. We'll meet here at the same place. Um, thank you guys for being here this morning. I, like you, uh, I come here every uh, first of the month wanting to get something that I didn't come in with. And so today I think we all came away with that uh, to empower others, to be strong, to be, um, to be godly men. And so hopefully these meetings are, are helping you do that. But the biggest change will happen in your small group. So we ask you to make sure that you're in that small group. Um, here at the end, as we're here at the end, we're going to have our small group leaders be here at the front. 
Uh, and so if you're not in a small group, or you just have a question about small groups, uh, it's not too late to, to get in one. Uh, to lead one, if you're a leader and you've not led one yet, my goodness, now's your time to lead. Um, we, need, we need leaders. We need men leaders probably the most out of all the groups. We don't have enough men leaders uh, for all the people that need to get into groups. So really, really key if that's what God's called you to do. And just pray about it. Uh, we believe it's your time. Now is the time. And uh, if you aren't doing anything tonight, um, tonight would be a great time to go support our basketball team. Uh, and now when you watch, look out on the court, you'll know where, where Coach Chad's coming from. So thanks for being here today. God bless you. Uh, small group leaders, if you guys don't mind, just come and stand across the front. If you have anything you need to have prayer for today, feel free to reach out to one of these guys or any one of us. We're here. We hang out for a while. Happy to pray with you, agree with you, agree with you on anything you have. Make it a great Friday. Thank you.